I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Hello, and welcome to Automating Success Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Langton. I'm a serial entrepreneur and president of Langton Group, working towards uniting the landscaping industry and helping everyone to not only survive, but thrive during the upcoming automation revolution. Our goal with this show is to inspire all of our listeners to incorporate automation into their business and maximize the associated benefit for your business and employees by sharing experiences, insights, and amazing interviews with the best thought leaders in the industry. We will also be chronicling the growth of newest automation-focused startup venture, Automated Outdoor Solutions. Now let's get the show started. Welcome to the Automating Success Show guests. Uh, today, I'm privileged to have Matthew and Rahel on the show today. I want to start by saying um, I totally appreciate the outgoing personalities of these two. They, they they saw me on LinkedIn, reached right out to get on the show. I, I love having guests like this that kind of want to take charge of their own destiny and 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 just and, and just kind of get in front of people. So first I commend you guys for that. Um, but I want you guys to introduce yourselves to my audience and uh, tell them what you guys have going on because I'm certainly excited. Uh, for them to all here, uh, what makes you two so special? Hey, thank you so much, Joe. It's a, we're super excited to be here and, and really happy that we met you. We always enjoy meeting like-minded people, people who look towards success and positive mindset. So we, we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, so explain, uh, I guess, a little bit about your guys' background. Um, I know Rahel, you were in the corporate world, you know, for like 13 years. So you have a, had a completely different uh, background, and, and you decided to follow your heart and and kind of go where 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 your heart and passion was leading you. So explain explain that a little to, to the audience because I, I find it amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm originally from East Africa, Tanzania. And I came here to try and study how to be a designer for cars. So my bachelor's degree was in industrial design, which I did in Columbus, Ohio. And then I went to Savannah, Georgia, and I did my master's again in interiors. And then somehow I ended up doing interiors of aircraft as an engineer. So I don't know how I transitioned from a designer to engineering, but from then on, I loved it. So I stayed in aviation for a long time as a manufacturing engineer or design engineer. And then it hit me one day that, you know, I wanted to kind of change, you know, what I'm doing uh, in a different direction. Uh, actually, it's because of this guy right here. But uh, I was like, you know, I want to do something more, something, you know, something that I'm really passionate about. And that's how I came to join Maximize with Matt. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, explain how the Maximize idea comes up. Maybe Matt, you could. You could take the lead on that since you sure. just heard or learned. Or, or maybe, Matt, touch me up to how, you know, to, to your background then. You oh, know, yeah. What's what so, get Rahel over to, to, to this <laughs> side of things? And by the way, I kind of wish I had you on the podcast while you were still designing aircraft interiors so we could get some six foot four guy design going on. Because every time I'm on a plane, I'm thinking, I can't be that out of the normal. That, <laughs> that I, that I'm sitting here with my knees in my chest, practically, you know. But, Right. Yeah. I wish they were maximizing the, the, the tall guy space, you know. Whatever. Yeah. So go ahead, Matthew. Uh, let, let, let me hear about this. Sure, yeah. So uh, I'm from Utah and I uh, grew up, you know, in the mountains and, and being outdoors, playing a lot of sports and stuff. And 
uh, I always liked doing art, but I also liked uh, math and physics. And so I went to the University of Utah and I couldn't really decide which way to go. And I said, well, engineering, me mechanical engineering is kind of a good mix between the two. So I worked uh, in aerospace for many years and then uh, heavy duty vehicles and actually worked for a company that does seating for aircraft. And so I can tell you that, uh, yeah, they have a certain kind of ergonomic model, human model that they have to design within. And you might be just right outside of that range, but they try to they try to maximize the amount of people that they can put on a plane you know, because the airlines make more money that way. Dude. <laughs> well, I get it. They, they can't. I, I I know I am an, an anomaly, but uh, <laughs> you know. So so um, so is that how you two met then? Uh, were you guys working together somehow, or totally we're not even there yet in the. The cat crossing of you two. Now, there's no way we would have met. Matt and I were in so different uh, areas. No, we actually met online. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, but awesome. yeah, it's been great ever since. Like, uh, I think it's this, because, you know, he does, he's, a, he's an engineer by education, but he has this artistic part of him. And I'm artistic, but I have this engineering. I think that's kind of helped us connect. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations for being an online success story. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, okay. So, you guys, you know, you, you got an escape room going, right? I, I'll just kind of get us kind of going down the path. Um, but, but you know, that that really got you guys thinking in another direction. So, uh, kind of get us kind of caught up from that point. You know, you guys. From from my research, you start a escape room together, you know, right? You might write about this. Um, it kind of get us going on this culmination of that idea, doing it, and then what kind of makes you have to pivot and change directions, in my opinion, for the better, since I, I have businesses that I am totally excited about doing doing things with your company. Actually, I've, I've talked to my daughter and my brother already because you know, to the guests we did talk before the show. And they're all they're all excited. So I know there's a lot of people listening to this and be very excited. So but but tell us how to go from escape room to maximize. Yeah. So yeah, we used to own an escape room and that uh, how that came about was our second date was an escape room and we loved it, even though I was completely scared and I was like, I'll never do that again. But then I was addicted to doing it again. So we kept doing it and we realized, oh my gosh, we really like this thing so much so that we decided to open our own escape room. We built it completely from scratch, from decor all the way down to running the business and everything in between. And we enjoyed seeing people and how they come into the rooms and how they interact, a lot of communication. But then we reached a point where we realized, okay, we're just entertaining people. Once they leave, it's like, yeah, that was fun. That was great. And then, and then that's it. And so we felt like we are not really fulfilling our inner desire. Like there's something more we want to do that it wasn't being accomplished owning an escape room. So we kind of took a look at ourselves and, you know, what, what is great about us? And we realized we're different, not just the way we look, but we're different from where we come from. You know, our religion is different, you know, things that will have us choke each other by now. But we survived. <laughs> and so we realized it's the communication that makes us strong. So we wanted to combine this love of doing escape room, love of those type of games and our knowledge in communication and the importance of it and how you can forget your differences and focus on a goal together and you'll accomplish it when you, you know, you let your guards down that way. So we combined the two and at, well, at the beginning, we, uh, in 2019, at the end of 2019, we kind of left the escape room and kind of went into something else called Mind Gym, which was more focused on, 
you know, getting your mind fitness, like exercising you, this is escape room type of games. And then we opened in February of 2020. And about two and a half weeks later, we shut down. Thank you, COVID. Uh, and that was it. That was the death of that. But all wasn't in vain because through that experience, this is how we pivoted to maximize last year. Uh, just doing the same kind of thing, but putting it online uh, so that we can reach more people and still have the same kind of effect on connecting people and helping people understand not just themselves, but the differences between each other and how that is actually a strength. So birth of maximize. <laughs> yeah, what? what? I'm a pretty passionate person and, and, and your passion literally just comes through the screen. I mean, seriously, it is, it is it's crazy. I mean, people that are not watching this on YouTube, I, I just have to tell you, I mean, first, the constant smile as you're talking is, is infectious and contagious. Uh, secondly, you know, just the fact that, you know, it's like, so many people are like, oh, COVID, but you're like, thank you, COVID. Ooh, now we're on this pivot. Totally awesome. Inspirational. I, I just got to tell you that. So, so, so Matt, Matt, I, Matthew, I cut you off, but uh, I had to say that. So anyways, go ahead with what, what you were going to say, though. With it. No, no, thanks so much. And yeah, we are. We're super passionate about it. And we, you know, like Rahel said, that, uh, you know, the escape room, what, what was so cool about it, I thought, was it got people together in a room, and maybe they don't necessarily know each other that well but they're working towards a common goal and they have to communicate. They have to work together and everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. And I just thought it was a cool, you know, it got people off their phones. They're interacting to, with each other socially. Uh, so many good positive things about it. And then now we've turned it into a tool that can help corporate teams communicate better and improve their communication. So yeah, even COVID was, was a big downer, a big bummer, but it did help us reinvent ourselves and invent something even I think that's even better and even more more uh, beneficial for people. Explain how a corporate team can can utilize what you guys are doing, because um, that's where I think that's where the secret sauce is with you guys. You know, so so kind of kind of explain the dynamic or the pre setup. You know, like 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 how it goes. If, if my company Lincoln Group called and said, "Hey, let, let's let's do something together as a team," how how, how would that from that point of the conversation to the end point go. Yeah, so I think our program works best for any kind of corporate teams where they might be in some state of transition, uh, some state of flux. So maybe they have a you know, rapid growth. So they're bringing on a lot, a lot of new employees or there's a merger. You know, they're trying to merge two, two different groups together that don't know each other well, or they might be distributed teams. You know, now there's a lot of this kind of hybrid working and people working in different locations or multicultural teams, you know, teams that have a lot of different cultures, different nationalities working together. And what we're trying to do is just get people to know each other, understand each other better. And the way it works is that they, we first initially do an assessment of the team. So we have them take a survey and we look at four areas. We look at psychological safety, uh, personality discovery, inclusive communication, and- Emotional all, intelligence. Emotional intelligence. <laughs> And, uh, and then we play a couple games with them. And the way the game works is that each person gets a little bit different set of information. So maybe someone has some symbols, another person has a map, another person has a, a, a report, and they're working together to figure out how does all this information work? And it forces each person to, to give their input because if they don't, you'll never get to the end. And each one has like a different theme, could be uh, you know, alien attack or a Mayan temple, 
uh, treasure or catch a spy. Yeah, and, uh, and just to add to that, one of the big things about what we do, again, searching from what we know, looking at ourselves in our lives, both of us used to play in teams when we were in college or uh, high school. And so we looked at how teams actually function. You know, normally right now, uh, people go to training and they spend maybe a couple of hours, a day or three days of training. And we realized that, you know, why are people training that way? Because when you train to be an athlete, you don't just go onto the field and do this one time thing and then you are a champion the next time you play. It takes time. So we were like, you yeah. know, how about we do it the same way they do it, you know, in, in sports? So we, we like to have these one hour sessions with these teams, but we do it several times until they get comfortable with the concept. So it's the same way we do a little bit of um, educational information. So the information is like 10, 15 minutes of education. And then you have 30 minutes to apply what you've just learned into the game. And then we debrief after that. And at the end of that experience, you get a report that tells you how you performed because we record all the sessions. So you look at how you performed in your communication and you take that information. Next time you come and play, you want to uh, get better at it because you get a score every time you play. So you want to get a better score every time. So we just practice and practice is our main thing. Communication is not something you do one time and done. And it's, it's something that is continuous. It doesn't really have an end, but we want to do it continuously to, in order to get better. So that's one of our important concepts. It's brilliant. Okay. Uh, seriously, it's brilliant. So first, I, I want to find out a couple of things. Uh, what sports did you guys play? I'll start with that. <laughs> What, 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 what was what was what was your sports background? I, I played a lot of sports. Uh, I started out with soccer and then uh, football, but I grew up playing golf and tennis. Uh, tried a little basketball, baseball, but I guess I could say probably golf and football were the two main ones I played. I played all the way up into high school, and then played a little bit of rugby after that. Yeah, for How me, I, yeah, it's it's yeah. rugby. I did rugby, women's team <laughs> rugby, and basketball. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So I would have never got rugby. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, no, we, we did yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So and, and so we, for me, it was uh, at football. I dabbled in wrestling. I wasn't really a fan of wrestling, and then I got way in way in volleyball. But I, I agree. Like to to bring team sports in, and, and I mean, I'll be honest. I, I think I'm a, a a good a great team builder. But you know, never really thought about what you said about how you know, we practice and we practice and it takes years and years. Most of us start sports when we are young. I mean, you know, grade school, middle school and, you know, play through college levels. And then people come into a, a workplace and it's like, yeah, we're going to have training once a year and this is what we're going to go over. And I mean, I could fall into that same trap, you know, um, and, and what, what you guys are doing is basically kind of showing something that should be obvious, which is, you, you know, you can't just expect people to be natural communicators, especially, you know, somebody might be able to communicate well with their spouse, but maybe not well with a group of 20 or 30 people in a conference room. Um, and so it sounds like what you're doing is you're bringing people, maybe someone that's reserved, that would normally just sit quiet and you're giving them the opportunity to have a voice, right? It sounds like to me through these, through these games. So do you guys, so I, I'm fascinated by this and I'm wondering, so like, do you guys, when you do these pre-assessments, does that have anything to do with what the person's assigned with? Like you said, some people get symbols, some people get maps. Do you try to pick 
the things you think they might need help in, or are you trying to pick the things they might be strong in, or is there's nothing like that going on? No, it's it's all about communication, and so uh, you know, by each person having something different, it really, you know, you have to, and, and they can't see what what each other has, right? They can only talk about it. So you really have to be concise and descriptive in your communication. And if somebody's kind of taking over the conversation, they're monopolizing it and not letting the other people speak, they're gonna, they're gonna miss out. They're, they won't make it to the end, you know? And mm -hmm. so they have to encourage each other, hey, you know, what's your idea and listen. And uh, that's the only way they're gonna get through it. Yeah, it, it's, it's absolutely an inclusive kind of uh, situation. We force that inclusive um, relationship because we want to say, you know, it's not about forcing someone who's quiet to come out because that makes them feel even more uncomfortable. It's just to realize that even though I'm quiet, just one little piece of information that I might give you might help this team win. And it's like that out there. People are always going to be different. You can't force them to be something else they're not. But you realize that that difference, you need it. You might need it to solve something that you're dealing with. So we're trying to stress that no, you don't have to change your personality. You don't have to be any special kind of person. You just have to accept that differences is good, you know, and it's okay to use those as strengths. No, great, great point. So, so then what, so explain the, the reasoning behind the initial assessment then. So let's, let's get into that. Because when we talked, I thought that was like totally awesome. You know, I actually found myself wondering how would I score on these things? You know, it's like, yeah, I, because I think everybody, you know, everybody does want to know what their score would be, you know? So, so you know, on the front end, uh, what, you know, what's what's the rationale or reasoning behind it, you know? Yeah, it's just, just to gauge overall, you know, how how, does, how well is the team communicating with each other, but also where are they at in those kind of four areas of psychological safety and inclusion and, and all of that. And just to get a baseline, also to get a baseline of, of how, you know, the puzzles that we, we create, the games that we create, there's different levels of difficulty. And so it helps us gauge that as well. You know, where do we start with this, with this team? Okay. And then, and then, so the scoring system. So is the scoring system, I mean, I'm assuming you had to start out with some baseline of this is how we should keep scoring, but now do you use how other teams are responding like to the score? Like, is it all like, 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 does it end up scoring on a curve eventually? Or like, how does that work too, I wonder, you know? Yeah, so the scoring is based on a, a, about 26 different aspects of communication. And basically it's how many, there's, you know, communication behaviors that we want you to do more of and some that we want you to do less of. So we want you to be more encouraging, more validating, more listening, and maybe less interrupting, uh, less discouraging. And so the score is based on how many times you exhibit those behaviors we want you to do more of. Uh, and then you kind of lose points by exhibiting behaviors that we want you to do less of. And that's on an individual level. So you're grading on an individual level, not on a team level. Both. both. Yeah, we do both. Both okay. individual and team, yeah. And so for the individual, it's confidential. We don't share that with anybody because we don't want people to say, well, you know, look at your score, I'm not look at mine. But, yeah. but we do share the team score because we want the team to, to try to improve their score overall. Mm -hmm. And that's anonymous too. You can't see who the members are. You just see overall. This just is how you are doing as a team. So, how many? Um, so, okay. So, when you guys first started this, were people as excited as I was the first time we talked, or are some people skeptical? You know, like, like what? What's been the response or the feedback? When and, and, and how do you get? 
how have you guys been marketing and getting people to be aware of it? You know, because because it sounds to me like like once people become aware of this, you're gonna have to figure out how you're gonna be able to deal with it all because it, it's <laughs> it's so awesome to me, you know. Yeah, the response has been amazing, really. Um, ever ever since we started, when we pivoted, we pivoted when we were in an accelerator program, and we had mentors help us through that. And it was very exciting from the get get go. Everyone's response was amazing. And so, you know, as we launched at the beginning of this year, uh, it's the same thing, really. It's people have come through and they are starting to, hey, I, I want to do some more. I want to do the next uh, session, you know. So they're coming in and staying and trying to get their whole teams through the, the experience. So, yeah, it's been great. No, yeah, and people have been very receptive to it. And, and uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, that's really cool, really awesome. And I think um, what uh, I think the biggest challenge is people understanding because they all want to know that like, what is what are this, these games like? What are this puzzle like? So we do a free demo. And usually once they do that demo, then it kind of clicks in their head. Oh, OK, I see how it works. I see. I, I get it. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so then like how uh, I'm trying to think. So. How many people like. Is there a maximum amount of people on a team you can have? Like, what if it's a really large organization? You guys, I mean, do you want to keep it in teams of five? Like, I think of an escape room, and it's like there's got to be a maximum amount of people you're going to put in an escape room. So, so is is that kind of the same way? How does that work out? Yeah, so we keep our maximum team size in a session to six people because that's the best uh, amount of people to have a good communication. If you have too many people, then people start disappearing in the middle of the experience. But six is the number we take and we can hold in one hour, 12 people, because then we'll put them in a breakout rooms. And so for companies that have a lot of team members, we just have to do the same kind of setup in different hours. So what made you so passionate about this? I mean, obviously there's a reason people become passionate about things, right? And it's usually based on their past. So what was it about your guys' past, I'll say, career life um, that made you say, okay, this is needed? Like, like this is, this is, like, what was the aha moment? Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, I, I worked in corporate America, you know, engineering firms for, for 20 years. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, communication, it's, it causes so much uh, loss of revenue. I mean, just so many problems. You know, if you're not communicating well, you make mistakes, you have to rework. You know, I worked in a lot of projects. So every time that a project was late or over budget or ran into issues, it was because somebody wasn't communicating well with somebody else. And I also realized that there's, there's just kind of, in the corporate environment, there's a little bit of fear. So that's where the psychological safety comes in. You know, People don't feel comfortable or safe enough to speak out, to share their ideas, share their thoughts. Uh, opinions with each other because they're afraid like I'm going to look dumb or the boss is going to yell at me and so I think that's a big part of my passion as well as I just think even in the last year you've seen so much animosity uh, especially on social media in terms of you know vaccine versus no vaccine face mask versus face mask Republican Democrat just people just being really mean to each other and and I think you know going back to your point about the uh, you know, doing it like sports and training and learning. What if, I imagine, what if we started with our kids and we gave them an hour of communication training every day from the time they started kindergarten? I mean, think of what kind of society we would have if we were all expert communicators with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, it's a little bit slightly different, but 
I think my passion, I have two of them. The first one is because of this guy right here, our relationship right here. I, if, I, you know, I understand communication. I knew that communication is important, but until I met Matt and experienced the depth of our communication, then I understood that I knew nothing about how important communication was. Mm -hmm. So going through our relationship and seeing how strong we are, I was like, okay, we, we have to teach other people how to get to here, you know? So I'm very passionate about that. And the second thing is we love making these escape room games, making these games kind of plays with our creativity in a very interesting way while we're making these games, trying to make people figure out what we have already figured out. It's, it's just fascinating to me. I love it. <laughs> that, no, that's really awesome. So the, uh, so explaining, you know, you, you brought up and, and, and I think the four are, the, the four things you get judged on are psychological safety, emotional intelligence, inclusive communication, uh, personality discovery, right? Those, and then team building. But explain, can, can you dive into that? Because, you know, these these words get thrown around, you know. Okay, so like you started explaining that, psychological safety, what does that really mean? And, and before you started to dive into it, I, I have to be honest with both of you. I, okay, psychological safety, what is that? You know, uh, emotional intelligence, you know, you hear this, you see it on LinkedIn, you know, professional platforms constantly, you know. But I don't truly enough people understand those keys that you're testing so can can we expand on those for, for the for the people listening sure sure yeah so uh psychological safety again you know it's it's about just feeling safe within a team that i can express my ideas thoughts and opinions without any fear of, of retribution or criticism and so it came about uh in two ways one was a study done by Google, where they looked at all their teams and said, who are the high performing teams? And they, said, and they realized it's not just because we have high performing people in a team or people who all work together well. It's those teams who feel psychologically safe. They can speak up because if you can speak up, you're going to come up with more ideas, right? More innovations. You're going to see risks that you might not have seen if you were too afraid to express that risk. And also, Around the same time, there was a professor at Harvard, Amy Edmondson, who studied uh, hospital teams and looked at the ones who made the most mistakes versus the least mistakes. And again, psychological safety was the number one factor of, of those uh, surgical teams not making mistakes. So it's really important. And then emotional intelligence is just the ability to uh, understand your emotions and understand others' emotions and know how to tailor your communication based on that. So you know, if I'm a manager and I want to give my employees some feedback, and it might be a little bit of feedback of, you know, something something they can improve on, but their, maybe their uh, mother just died. Today might not be the best day to do that because they're not in the right state of mind to receive that feedback. So it's about uh, just understanding, and, you know, same for your own emotions. Am I, am I hungry right now? Am I hangry? Maybe I shouldn't uh, express my opinion right now. I should go get some food first. Yeah. And personality discovery is more um, about understanding how personalities affect communication and how you can adjust your communication style in order to communicate to someone else who has a different personality from you. I know there's been talk that, you know, people don't want to be put in a box. And I totally agree because like one of the things I, I mentioned not too long ago in, in a post I did is that they use these personality assessment tools as a, as a way of hiring someone to get the right fit. But personality has no right fit because that means there's an unfit. There is no unfit personality. 
those differences are actually needed. So in this experience, we're just trying to show that these personalities are in your team and look how you can solve things together when it's that different. And in um, inclusive communication, we address bias, gender, um, generation, and culture. Again, showing the, the, the fact that when you have these different experiences, like in culture, you're from a different culture, how does that affect how I communicate? Or, you know, I have biases. You know, how are these biases impacting how I think and how I communicate what I think or how I speak to someone? So it's kind of just looking at everything that affects how we speak to someone. Again, going back to what I said earlier, it's about understanding someone and where they're coming from in order for you to be able to communicate your message and also understand what they're telling you. Yeah, and all, all of these work together, all four of these areas work together to improve your communication skills and, and like, you know, Rahel, she, I'm more of a risk taker. She's kind of less of a risk taker. And it, and it works because if I didn't have her to kind of let me see those risks, I'd be doing all sorts of crazy stuff, you know? And if, and if she didn't have me, she would never jump off the edge, you know? To, to, so you need you need every every type of personality and culture. I've got to tell you, so first, man, I would not have guessed, just, just from your guys' demeanors, okay? <laughs> the, the, you're the you're the risk taker and she's reserved because she's like she's ready to answer every question if i answer a question i feel like she's literally looking at you being like you want this one or <laughs> so obviously you must make her feel very comfortable she's just uh, when she's around you she's comfortable you know so kudos i, I that that's awesome um you know, I, I want to expand. First, I want to apologize about my dog barking. Some, I've never had somebody come to my door during a podcast. Speaking <laughs> of communication, I, I found myself wanting to be like, should I just tell them let's take a break? But you guys were flowing. I didn't even want to interrupt you, you know, but uh, so I apologize about the dog and I'm explaining. I didn't hear the dog. I didn't hear the dog. Yes. Welcome all voices. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Zeus will come and see us. So I have a, a yeah. three-legged Great Dane and a, a Husky German Shepherd mix. So they're two big dogs. I'm really surprised wow. you didn't hear them. But uh, <laughs> that directional bike I've got is doing, doing a real good job. So, okay. But not to get too far off. You brought up something that, that I want to expand on. And it was, you, you, you said about, you know, there's no, I think you said like there's no right or needed personality. That's how I heard it or to interpret it anyway. And, and you know, one of the things I find interesting is, you know, we're really trying to grow and scale our robotics company, right? I, I have this goal to be national in five years. And every time I tell people this, they say, all right, well, how are you going to make 50 Joe Lentons? And every time they ask me that question, I find it interesting. And I, I'm hoping you guys will expand on this. Um, because we don't want 50 Joe Langdon's. That's not going to do AOS any good. If, if I wanted to have 50 of me, I would have just named it Joe Langdon Court. You know, <laughs> I, I, I want there to be, you know, 3,000 people that are trying to accomplish the same end goal, which is to be leaders and innovators in automation. But, you know, Kind of like the thing for me, and 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 uh, I, I just think you said it. I think just think it's super interesting. Is the company won't won't be able to scale fast enough if it's just my thoughts, you know? So you know, expand on. I, so I want you to expand a little more if you can on the different types of personalities, maybe 
as you guys see it already and how those different personality types help an organization cross the finish line. You know, is there anything you can add to that and what you guys have seen in, in these panic room situations? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, so we use like, for example, disc personality because it's easy to understand the four letters. But, uh, you know, we, we've seen like Myers-Briggs, the 16 personalities and many other type of personality types. Uh, so, for example, with the disc, you have the dominant uh, personality and uh, influencer and uh, compliant and uh, what's the other one? Um, and S, which is this, like a stable, 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 yeah, a stable personality. So it really is like the word describe it. The dominant personality is the you know, I'm boss, I'm going to tell you what, what's happening. Uh, when you're speaking, I might interrupt you because I, I, I just need to get my ideas. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's not that they're trying to be disrespectful to you. It's just their mind is thinking differently than, than the other personalities. So there's no bad personality, but you sometimes need this, all right, this is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to go. This is the order. And then there's the influencer, which is more like uh, they, they're very, uh, how to say they influence they like people they're people people they're very jolly and they 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 like to interact with people you know it's the type of personality who on their desk they'll have all these places they've been and you know i've been to africa and asia and, and this mountain and my dog and all of that and the stable personality they're more calmer not people people they're more task people um they're more like uh they just like order this is like Matt right here. <laughs> they like order. They're very like task, you know, what's happening. Mm -hmm. And the C personality is a compliance personality. They follow orders. They, they follow rules. You know, they always want the facts. They don't act on anything unless they have facts and everything is in order and perfect and ready to go. But you see, in all of those personalities, when you have a situation, they will all think about it differently because their personality looks at it from a different way. So even if you're using disc or any other type of personality assessment, it's just knowing that, okay, they're not trying to be mean or anything, but you use that personality to see it from a different perspective. So that's my view on how personality should be used. So can you be more than, so as you described all that, like I'm thinking I'm three or I'm three of the four. I mean, I'm definitely not one of them. Okay. Yes. And I am not, I have trouble taking orders. Like that is, <laughs> that's why, that's why I'm an entrepreneur because I know. I don't do well with that, but, but, and, and as he said it, like, I found myself thinking like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I see people going a little off the path and I'm like, okay, we're done with, okay. I, I liked it. I listened for a while, come, come back to reality, you know, maybe uh -huh. I should be better about that and not do that. But, but I also see myself as an influencer, but so how do you guys identify or how can you guys figure out or, or do we even need to draw it out? I, I, I mean, so this is like the stuff I'm fascinated by, if you can't tell. Um, which one you are, or is, are most people one or the other, or are most people a few of what, well, how does that go? Actually, everyone has a little bit of everything. So it is normal to feel like I'm looking at here and here. It's true. But you do have that one that is more than the rest, that you recognize in yourself is more than the rest. And usually when you take this test, they give you at least one or two of them because you might recognize your second one as well. So for me, I'm a C, I'm compliant, and I'm also having a little bit of a D somewhere. <laughs> and Matis, I think you're an S and a what? S and uh, something, S and C? More S and... Uh... S and C. S, S and C, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll give you another good example. There's a story about how you can identify those personalities. So there was this king who had these four people who committed a crime and he was like, I'm going to chop their heads off. Oops. And then I take my earring off. 
<laughs> Let me just chop the earring off. Let me just yes. chop the earring off. And, uh, Good thing that's got a clasp that opens yes. easy because that could have been, that, that could have been messy, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so he put them all on this guillotine to chop the heads off. And as the knife came down, it got stuck. So the B personality comes out and tells the king, I am going to sue you right away for this. And then the I personality is like, I am free. Let me go party. <laughs> and then the S personality is like, oh, can we go have lunch and talk about, you know, how nice you are? And then the C personality is still sitting there looking at the machine like, why didn't this fall? Exactly where was the problem? <laughs> yeah. That, that's awesome. Yeah. So, okay. So, so that's interesting with the personality thing. I, I seriously, I, I want, once we're done with this, I, I, I want I'm, I want you guys to test. I want to know my personality. And, and I'm going to do this with my people. Because I, I feel like I could see this literally as I scale my company. B, like, like just like as we grow, just like it turns into just like a constant thing. So you said you do this like lots. Like, and it's, it's a training thing. So do you do it like once a month, once a week? And how do, how do you structure it? Where it's like, it's always this time. Uh, explain how do you guys do that? Yeah, we recommend at least once a week so that you stays fresh in your head and and you always, you know, it's just like if you played any sports or learned anything. If you uh, don't do it for a long time, you you kind of go almost go back to square one. So the the more often you do it, the better. Uh, and it, yeah, it's a it's a one hour session. Uh, it works best, I think, if you can find a time same time every week that you can do it during that hour. So you kind of have that schedule and, and it's it's uh, planned out there. It sounds like it's a good Monday morning thing, you know, get, get people back into the, is that the day more people try to pick or do they usually try to do it on a Friday or is everybody different with that? Uh, oh, everybody's different, different. yeah. yeah. I, I did read a study that people are kind of in a better mood in the morning than in the afternoon. Their brains uh, are more creative and, uh, you know, it's better to do in the afternoon to do kind of like mundane tasks that you don't need to use a lot of brain power. Uh, not everybody's like that, but on average, uh, they're kind of like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so then how does it, does it like, is it structured? I mean, how, hopefully you don't mind me asking this, but getting into this, like your cost structuring. So is it like based on group size or organization size? Is, is it based on frequency? Like, how, how do you guys work that out? Is it like, I'm just wondering, it's like subscription model, how how you guys do this for people? Yeah, so we, we start out with the assessment. And from the assessment, we recommend a training package in those four areas, how many sessions we think that you'll need. Uh, we have like an introductory three-session training package. But, um, and, you know, along the way, we don't, we don't know exactly how long it'll take you to to get to where you need to go in each area. So we can always adjust, add, or subtract uh, sessions depending on where you get to and where you need to go. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we start out, you know, it's basically for a six person team, we have like a uh, package of, we have the introductory packages, then we have like five, uh, was it 15 and 25? Uh, uh, no, session up to 35. Package, up to 35 session packages, yeah. we, we package it that way. Yeah, so you just buy the number of sessions that we recommend first, the number of sessions we think you'd need. And so you, let's say you're doing personality discovery and psychological safety. You might start the psychological safety and do four sessions and realize, all right, we're good, we're fine. So then we take the remaining you know, um, six 
sessions and we start your um, personality discovery and you know you use the session so it's kind of like you use what you think you're going to need in order for you to get the concept and then from there it, once you complete your sessions what we can do is then uh have you know where you can schedule once a month like a refresher like a like an how you enforce oh, sessions right Oops. Oh no, no, she will take over. She's our mini boss. We don't want that. <laughs> she looks like the future, though. You know, we get the, uh, right. Right. <laughs> yeah, we'll <laughs> Sorry about that. We thought we locked so, the door, so, so, so I don't know. Assuming, assuming that was your daughter. Right. Yes, that is our youngest. Yeah, that's our three-year-old. Okay, so how many kids do you guys have? Let's let's talk about yeah, that. Five. 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 I'm from a family of five myself. Are I'm you? Oh, yeah. so you know all about this. Yeah, exactly. So what what age are your kids? What's the range? That was about ready to get into family anyway. So let's let's go right into it. This all right. Is, this is a perfect segue for, yeah. for a minute. So yeah, so what 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 range are your kids? We have an 18 year old daughter who's just started college this fall. Uh, Appalachian State, and then we have a 16-year-old son who's learning how to drive, which is the scariest thing ever. <laughs> and then we have a 10-year-old daughter who's like fashion diva and, uh, you know, going on 16. And then we have a seven-year-old son who loves dinosaurs and Legos and Pokemon. And then a three-year-old girl who's into everything does everything yeah she's all over the place <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think are you done or are you having more oh done done <laughs> <laughs> there's no question in your eyes oh yeah you even oh. put your hands up i get you yeah 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 so uh yeah like i said i'm from a family of five i'm the oldest and uh my youngest sister maria I say where the book ends and then there's the kids in between, you know, but uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, so very, very similar comments. So, so, so tell me, you know, so Matt, tell me about speaking as family and, and kids, like tell me a little more about your childhood and then we'll have our do the same thing. Um, because I always like to also, I mean, we've talked about the business. I think everybody kind of knows what Maximize is. Um, it gets an idea of it now. Um, hopefully enough of an idea that you're looking you guys up and, and doing this. I, I highly recommend any company that cares about their company culture and growth and diversity. I, I think they should just be looking you guys up. But you know, I, I always I always think it's interesting. You know, all we all are what we were. We've all gotten the point, you know. So I'm from a great family. I love my mom and dad. I talk to my dad every day. Uh, you know, and it's just, there always seems to be this common like background of what, you know, people's childhood, what gets them there today. So then I want to learn a little about you or like the audience to learn. And then Rahel, I'll let you uh, go next. But sure, right. sure. so just tell me more about your childhood, your upbringing. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's a, the mountains and the desert there is really beautiful. I spent a lot of time uh, outdoors. And uh, my parents were married 30, I think 37 years before my mother passed. So yeah, great parents, a lot of love, which was really helpful. And they, they were somewhat of a, a blended family as well. So my uh, mother had two sons who were 10 years older than me. And uh, yeah, they used to just 
beat me up all the time. And, <laughs> you know, and just, I think I was really annoying and I'd go and mess their stuff up. But, uh, but it was good. We have a good relationship and they taught me all the stuff that you're not supposed to know at age six. So that was kind of cool too. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, growing up in Utah, I mean, first question asked, you know, are you Mormon? And I'm not, I'm not, not the very religious person, but uh, I did grow up around that. And I think uh, it's, yeah, it's interesting, even though I can't say it's, you know, I know what it's like to be, be discriminated against, but there is this kind of outsider feeling when you're not part of a, a larger community. Uh, so I do have some understanding of what that feels like. Uh, and what else can I say? Like I mentioned before, I just played a lot of sports, love being, being outdoors, being in the mountains and just being able to kind of get away and connect with nature. There's something, uh, I don't, I can't explain it, but just something grand about it. Something that makes you feel, for me, I feel connected, connected to, to the earth, to nature. And, uh, yeah, I, I really miss it. I mean, going from being an engineer to a, you know, entrepreneur or business owner, I mean, is there any mentor that inspired you or what was your inspiration besides, you know, just saying, hey, you guys meeting and saying, hey, I want to do this. Is there anybody that you saw in, in your life growing up that made you want to be out on your own doing something or it just kind of came naturally to you? You know, I think I always had that entrepreneur bug, <clears throat> excuse me, inside of me. I remember when I was in junior high school, I think I was 12, and we were skateboarding down the street, and there were all these kids climbing this dumpster, and it was old AT&T building, and they were pulling out all of these, uh, these phone cables, and phone cables, they have like hundreds and hundreds of different strands of wire that are different colors, red, orange, yellow, and they're mixtures of colors. And so they were all grabbing this and we're like, all right, let's, let's grab some. We don't know why, but since everyone else was grabbing it, we did it. We took it back to my house and we made like bracelets out of it, rings and necklaces and took them to school and started selling them. And, uh, and I got tired of people asking me for it after a few weeks. So I sold the whole business for like 40 bucks. So that was my first uh, exit <laughs> of a business at that young age. But I never really realized what, that I could be an entrepreneur and no one never told me that that was an option. So I uh, hope that younger generations know that that's an option now, that they can, you can be an entrepreneur, you can have your own business. Yeah, awesome. All right, your turn. Uh, I, 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 and I, I think it's, uh, my dog might come in, by the way, I'm hoping he, he backs up. But anyways, so, so, so we might have the same camera moment as you guys had in a second, but so just, I'm making you aware of it. I'll All right. Away. So I just don't want to have to interrupt you. So, so go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, so for me, as I mentioned, I was born in uh, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, East Africa. And uh, in my early age, before I turned 10, my mom had already sent me out the country, grew up in Zambia and Ethiopia. And by age 10, we moved to Europe, just me and my mom. Um, I only grew up with my mom. And uh, here in the, I was in Geneva at the time, and I was the only black person that I remember. And that was interesting, but I didn't quite understand what it means to be different at that time. I was too young. And uh, so the experience was interesting. I was learning a new language. Nobody spoke English. So I had to learn French super fast. And from there, my mom realized that I started forgetting my English. So she was like, I'm sending you back to Africa uh, in a boarding school and you're going to learn English. But I was in boarding school since I was eight years old. So I already knew how to be in boarding school. And so I went to uh, Nairobi, Kenya, 
and I did some schooling there in boarding. And uh, once I graduated, I came, I went to college in, actually to University of Alberta in Canada, because my mom did not want me to come to the States for some reason. And as soon as she got me there, she knew that was a mistake because I said, I can't take this cold. I'm going south. So south is the United States. I was going to say, so going from the places of the, the, the world you were to go to Canada, yeah. that seems like a real shock to the system to me. Yes, you know? it was complete shock. I was like, this woman is trying to kill me. Why would she do this to me? <laughs> so then I was, I only stayed there for like a semester. Then I moved to Ohio and then Savannah and then North Carolina. But that's pretty much it. My mom was a very um, open-minded person. She, um, her dad was actually a reverend in the Lutheran church. And um, he's a good, it's a non-reverend in the country. And, but then my mom did not really push me. Like she left me to discover my own religion. And I, I did stay uh, Christian and I, I am a spiritual, not necessarily religious, I'm spiritual. And um, she also was the same in my career. She didn't, cause in our tradition, you have to kind of take what your parents take. And most of my family are doctors and pharmacists and things like that. And I was an artist and art was not seen as a, a career. So they were like, you're sending your kid all the way out there in a very expensive place to learn art. So they were very confused, but my mom was like, that's what she likes to do. That's what she's going to do. And she stood by me. And so that's what brought me here. <laughs> good for your mom. That, good for her. Yeah. I, I was just going to, because we are talking about influence of being an entrepreneur. You, you had read that, find your why. Yeah, yeah. And that was a big important oh, thing. Oh, that was so that. important. Yeah, because I read that book by Simon Sinek, find your why. And then I realized what am I doing? And it's kind of what triggered that uh, when we had our escape room, I was like, why are we doing this? What's the reason why we're doing escape room? And that's when we really started searching ourselves. And like him, I knew I had some entrepreneur in me. I mean, I sold art, jewelry, fashion. I, I've been doing this one since I was little, but like him, I didn't think that I could be an entrepreneur. I didn't think that was an option. I was like, oh, I have to wait till I'm older. All the successful people are old. So it must be an older thing. <laughs> so, so yeah. <laughs> So, so do you, so now has your mom ever been to the States then? Like you said, she didn't want you in the States. And so now did you ever find out why, by the way? And, and then uh, maybe you don't want to expand on that. If you don't want to, you can, but, but. No, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't ask her though, but I think I know why. Um, when I was in, when she sent me to Zambia and Ethiopia, when I, when I was born and she sent me there because that's where her sisters were. It's because she was here in the United States taking classes. She was in school here. And I think she was in Chicago and, you know, Chicago is a tough place, I guess. And I think she just didn't feel comfortable all the way. So she thought, you know, I'm going to send this girl out there by herself because I did, I wouldn't have known anyone. And she was just scared, you know, to send me that far into a country that she wasn't sure how they received me, you know? So, yeah. What would, would that have been when she was in Chicago? roughly when she was in school she yeah. was that was in a 80s because i'm in 81 so she's the 80s early 80s there yeah yeah i mean you know i'll tell you what the uh i mean one of the things that i've always said i was really fortunate i went to a really big high school really diverse i mean it was really blended i mean it was probably you know, a third of the school was white, a third was Hispanic, a third was was African or uh, black. Maybe it wasn't thirds because there's probably some Malaysian and Korean and stuff like that. But the point was, it was like a melting pot, you know. And it's always been like it's kind of strange for me because 
I, I thought that melting pot was awesome. I mean, no one paid attention to anybody's race. Nobody really cared. We were all in a school. We all played sports together. And then, you know, it's like, but you go to Chicago and there's, and I'm, I'm half Italian and then Polish English. I'm, I'm a total mix of everything, right? But I don't know, that, I've never been surprised, especially in Chicago, because for as much as you hear on the news about how Chicago always talks about like embracing everyone, well, but there's Little Italy and there's Chinatown and there's all these like areas of Chicago that is almost like it's it's not all inclusive and it's so weird to me that such a huge city still has that happening i, I just saying like out loud you know um so yeah and i suppose if she was there especially in the 80s she's probably like eh, maybe better places i you know i don't know personally that's just yeah. my perspective because you know yeah. but uh but i'm i'm glad you're here you know i, I think it's awesome i'm 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 yeah i'm glad you're not you know, in Canada, oh, yeah, oh. or whatever, you know. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so, um, so, yeah, so what a, what a great story. So, um, so, you know, one of the things that my company does right now is we, we have this core ethics committee and we figure out the company's values and we let the committee pick like where they're going. And I can't take credit for this. I actually learned this on a podcast. It's one of the inspirations for me to have a podcast is the things I learned for podcasts. But um, so I, I like to ask guests, like, what do you guys think your core values are? You know, if you, and I know it's like an on the spot thing. So you don't have to name a bunch, you know, but you know, like, like, can you expand on that? Do you, do you have an answer to that? Or has nobody ever asked you that before? No, no, I think, uh, you know, our, our core values are, of course, teamwork, uh, you know, relationship building, uh, being respectful with each other, and then also, you know, having fun, being uh, creative, being uh, innovative. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still shaking your head, so I think you just share all of those. You know, <laughs> yes, I do. That. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, good. So, so do you guys, can you see yourself ever actually having an escape room again? Or you pass that now? What's that? For me, I'm 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 not no no not physical, <laughs> not a physical no, location. No. It, it's yeah, it's it's a lot of work, and uh, I mean it was fun. It was, it was fun, fun. For sure, but um, yeah, I think that we still might incorporate some physical aspects. Like if we ever do, you know, our our program is all online at, at the moment, but. If we did show up like at somebody's office, we could have some physical elements that mm -hmm. we might bring with us. I mean, also even in the virtual world, I would like to see like the the setup in the Zoom be more like the theme. So if it's like alien, so the whole background has alien, you know, trying to incorporate these themes from the escape room thing and make it more, how do you say, immersive? Like, immersive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought I saw that on Zoom now you can actually have that stuff, like because even like. I mean, like, yeah, I've got my background right now. And if I pick some of the Zoom backgrounds, it, the backgrounds actually move. I actually, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I actually, today there was like a wave background or like a beach background and there's waves coming in. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, you know, like that was something new that I said. Uh, so I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure you guys could get that happening. So no, I saw that. I saw them moving when I just can't figure out how to do it just yet. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, where do you guys think, I mean, 
where do you think this can go? What are the goals for this for you guys? Because at some point it's gonna it's gonna get large and it's gonna be hard for you two to just do it yourself. So like like if you guys thought five years down the line, you know how how are you gonna take all this in and keep it, the expansion going? Yeah, I, I think our long term goal is, is to make it completely automated. So it would be a system you you can log in, create your teams, uh, take the assessment. The assessment recommends some games for you to play and some training for you to take some videos to watch and then you go and play the game it'll assess you via the game and recommend further training to take and further games to play awesome that's yeah. idea. So, so that's a great tie-in with automating success by the way i gotta tell you but that couldn't have almost been any better yeah the uh yeah so, so then is this do you think you found your why for the rest of your life then is it is it going to be doing this or do you think this is going to branch you off into other things? Or you do you not know yet? Or are you just taking life as it comes right now? You know, I don't know for sure, but what I know is right now, it's definitely on the path of the why. Is this the end of my why? I don't know. But for now, I know I'm on it. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's definitely a big, a big part of it. I would like to see, uh, like I mentioned earlier, more uh, kind of personal growth, life skills being taught in, in the schools at a young age. I think uh, as a society, the better off we can, we can teach these kids these skills, how to communicate, how to meditate, how to you know, deal with their emotions, the better off we'll be as, as an overall society. No, man, I couldn't agree with you more. I, 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 uh, I do think our school systems have to start to try to teach more skills like this, like communication, uh, and and it inspire people to like what you said to actually be entrepreneurs and realize you don't have to be an old person to be an entrepreneur. Um, yeah. you, you can you can you can do this right away, you know. And and you brought up the fact that like imagine if our kids were communicating like right like doing this type of training right from the beginning. Um, how much better corp a corporate setting would be. You know, oh, yeah. everything. Um, so yeah, and and when you think about how much, you know, what you're also doing is teaching people to work remotely because by, by doing it through the Zoom and stuff. Like one of the things that, that I always find interesting is, you know, now that we had COVID and they do all these things on LinkedIn. Do you think you'll ever go back to a workplace and this and that? And, and they talk about it like, no, we don't need it. Well, here's here's the problem: you lose the team aspect currently if everybody just stays at home and just kind of does their thing, how do you keep the sense of team? Like, these are the questions that I have, you know, because you're not meeting, you you, you don't, you know, you're, you're not, there's no uh, ritual. Like, I, I look back to stretching in sports, you know? You did that as a team. You counted out as a team. You did a lot of things that made you realize, like, I got a lot, but for me, it still sometimes gives me chills talking about it. Even doing jumping jacks, I had 75 people on our football team. And when you heard 75 young men, you know, counting that out, it was almost like a chorus, you yeah. know? There's something to be said about that. So if we do want to work from remotely, we have to figure out a way to, to, to still be tied as a team. And, and you guys seriously have a great solution for that. Um, so I, I think the timing could not be better for, for what you guys are trying to do. Um, so, you know, with, with that, I, uh, uh, I I think that I'm going to ask you guys, like, what you want 
what, what you think you want your legacy to be. You know, like, like if, if this was the end of your why, okay, and this is what you're going to do. What do you want the industry to remember? Usually I ask individually, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw it off and like you guys together. What do you want to be remembered for as, as you guys as a team? Hmm. I think, uh, yeah, just remember for somebody who, who came in with a different idea, a different way of doing things and, and did make a difference. You did get people to, to start listening to each other again and start trying to understand each other and, and keep an open mind and, and, uh, just, you know, just, just get along <laughs> better. Yeah. I think I would agree with that. It's just, if I die, I want people to at least see that my part was to let people know that we are different, but it's like a garden. I explain like a garden, these flowers, you don't just grow one flower. It's even more beautiful when you have different flowers. They're tall flowers, skinny flower, funny shaped flowers, colorful flowers, you know, and that's what makes the garden beautiful. And I want people to understand that they are a flower. And it all of us together make a beautiful garden and to understand and know how we eat from the same soil, because our mission is still the same. We're living here, we will go one day. But I just want to be part of that realization. That's beautiful. <laughs> I was just going to say, that statement in itself was beautiful. I, it should be quoted by uh, my podcast director does micro quotes. Chris, I'm going to say it. You better micro quote that and it better be on social media constantly. And seriously, that was awesome. I, I, I uh, you should like run for office or something. That was awesome. Seriously, that, that, seriously. That, that was really moving. That was totally awesome. Thank you. Um, so, so I, usually I leave on the legacy thing, but I forgot to ask and I just have to ask for fun. Uh, what, what online site did you guys meet at? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you go with it. We met on Tinder. <laughs> I remember I said it off. I, I, I only say it. We did. Yeah. We did. I'm only asking because you guys make a great couple. I seriously. I, first of all, you guys are a good-looking couple. Secondly, your dynamic is great. Um, I, I just say it in closing. I'm so glad we met. Seriously. I hope, I hope we talk for a long time coming into the future. Um, your guys' energy together is, is really something special. And uh, I, I hope the audience feels it and sees it um, because it is, it's inspiring. So, you know, it's it's been great having you on the show. Before I let you go, why don't you say uh, online how people can find you? Where, where, where do they find you at? Yeah, so uh, our website, of course, maximize.com, and it's spelled M-A-X-I-M-Y-Z. Uh, we're both we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, and uh, but if you just type in M-A-X-I-M-Y-Z on the internet, it will pop up. Well, again, I hope a lot of people start looking you up after the show. I You guys are awesome, and it was great having you on. I appreciate you guys' time. Thank you so yeah. much, Joe. It was fun. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to invite you to check out automatingsuccessshow.com where you can watch each episode's best business automation and growth strategies and download Joe's 11 keys to automating your business for maximum growth. 
Please follow us on Instagram at Automating Success for more helpful automating business tips, tricks, and silly memes on maximizing growth and productivity. If you felt any benefit from this show, please let us know by leaving an iTunes review, sharing this episode on social media, and emailing a link to anyone you think would also find benefit.